Chapter Twenty Four, Part Two of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Twenty Four, Part Two Vesuvian Lavas. The lavas of Soma are characterized by containing disseminated crystals of lucite, called by the French amphigène, a mineral said to be very rare in the modern lavas of Vesuvius, which are in general much more scoriaceous and less crystalline than those of Soma. At the fortress near Torre del Greco, a section is exposed, fifteen feet in height, of a current which ran into the sea and it evinces especially in the lower part a decided tendency to divide into rude columns a still more striking example may be seen to the west of torre del annunciata near forte scassato where the mass is laid open to the depth of twenty feet in both these cases however the rock may rather be said to be divided into numerous perpendicular fissures than to be prismatic although the same picturesque effect is produced. In the lava currents of central France, those of the Vivarais in particular, the uppermost portion, often forty feet or more in thickness, is an amorphous mass passing downwards into lava irregularly prismatic, and under this there is a foundation of regular and vertical columns. But these lavas are often one hundred feet or more in thickness, we can scarcely expect to discover the same phenomenon in the shallow currents of Vesuvius, where the lowest part has cooled more rapidly, although it may be looked for in modern streams in Iceland, which exceed even those of ancient France in volume. Mr. Scrope mentions that, in the cliffs encircling the modern crater of Vesuvius, he saw many currents offering a columnar division, and some almost as regularly prismatic as any ranges of the older basalts, and he adds that, in sum, the spheroidal concretionary structure on a large scale was equally conspicuous. Brieslach also informs us that in the siliceous lava of 1737, which contains augite, lucite, and crystals of felspar, he found very regular prisms in a quarry near Torre del Greco an observation confirmed by modern authorities. Effects of Decomposition on Lavas The decomposition of some of the felspathic lavas, either by simple weathering or by gaseous emanations, converts them from a hard to a soft clayey state, so that they no longer retain the smallest resemblance to rocks cooled down from a state of fusion. The exhalations of sulfuretted hydrogen and muriatic acid, which are disengaged continually from the sulfatara, also produce curious changes on the trachyte of that nearly extinct volcano. The rock is bleached and becomes porous, fissile and honeycombed, till at length it crumbles into a white siliceous powder. Numerous globular concretions, composed of concentric laminae, are also formed by the same vapors in this decomposed rock. Vesuvian Minerals A great variety of minerals are found in the lavas of Vesuvius and Soma. Augite, lucite, felspar, 
mica, olivine, and sulphur are most abundant. It is an extraordinary fact that in an area of three square miles round Vesuvius, a greater number of simple minerals have been found than in any spot of the same dimensions on the surface of the globe. Awi enumerated only 380 species of simple minerals as known to him, and no less than 82 had been found on Vesuvius and in the tufts on the flanks of Soma before the end of the year 1828. Many of these are peculiar to that locality. Some mineralogists have conjectured that the greater part of these were not of Vesuvian origin, but thrown up in fragments from some older formation, through which the gaseous explosions burst. But none of the older rocks, in Italy or elsewhere, contain such an assemblage of mineral products, and the hypothesis seems to have been prompted by a disinclination to admit that, in times so recent in the Earth's history, the laboratory of nature could have been so prolific in the creation of new and rare compounds. Had Vesuvius been a volcano of high antiquity, formed when nature, wantoned as in her prime and played at will her virgin fancies, it would have been readily admitted that these, or a much greater variety of substances, had been sublimed in the crevices of lava, just as several new earthy and metallic compounds are known to have been produced by fumaroles since the eruption of 1822. Mass Enveloping Herculaneum and Pompeii In addition to the ejections which fall on the cone, and that much greater mass which finds its way gradually to the neighboring sea, there is a third portion, often of no inconsiderable thickness, composed of alluviums, spread over the valleys and plains at small distances from the volcano. Aqueous vapors are evolved copiously from volcanic craters during eruptions, and often for a long time subsequently to the discharge of scoriae and lava. These vapors are condensed in the cold atmosphere surrounding the high volcanic peak, and heavy rains are thus caused. The floods thus occasioned sweep along the impalpable dust and light scoriae till a current of mud is produced, which is called in Campania lava d'acqua, and is often more dreaded than an igneous stream, lava de fuoco, from the greater velocity with which it moves. So late as the 27th of October, 1822, one of these alluviums descended the cone of Vesuvius, and, after overspreading much cultivated soil, flowed suddenly into the villages of St. Sebastian and Massa, where, filling the streets and interior of some of the houses, it suffocated seven persons. It will therefore happen very frequently that, towards the base of a volcanic cone, alternations will be found of lava, alluvium, and showers of ashes. To which of these two latter divisions the mass enveloping Herculaneum and Pompeii should be referred has been a question of the keenest controversy, but the discussion might have been shortened if the combatants had reflected that, whether volcanic sand and ashes were conveyed to the towns by running water or through the air during an eruption, the interior of buildings, so long as the roofs remain entire, together with all underground vaults and cellars, could be filled only by an alluvium. We learn from history 
that a heavy shower of sand pumice and lapilli sufficiently great to render pompeii and herculaneum uninhabitable fell for eight successive days and nights in the year seventy nine accompanied by violent rains we ought therefore to find a very close resemblance between the strata covering these towns and those composing the minor cones of the phlegraean fields accumulated rapidly like monte nuovo during a continued shower of ejected matter with this difference however that the strata incumbent on the cities would be horizontal whereas those on the cones are highly inclined and that large angular fragments of rock which are thrown out near the vent would be wanting at a distance where small lapilli only can be found accordingly with these exceptions no identity can be more perfect than the form and distribution of the matter at the base of monte nuovo as laid open by the encroaching sea and the appearance of the beds superimposed on pompeii that city is covered with numerous alternations of different horizontal beds of tuff and lapilli for the most part thin and subdivided into very fine layers i observed the following section near the amphitheatre in november eighteen twenty eight descending series black sparkling sand from the eruption of eighteen twenty two containing minute regularly formed crystals of augite and tourmaline two and one-half inches vegetable mould three feet brown incoherent tuff full of pizzolitic globules in layers from half an inch to three inches in thickness one foot six inches small scoriae and white lapilli three inches brown earthy tuff with numerous pisolytic globules nine inches brown earthy tuff with lapilli divided into layers four feet layer of whitish lapilli one inch gray solid tuff three inches pumice and white lapilli three inches total ten feet three and one-half inches many of the ashes in these beds are vitrified and harsh to the touch crystals of lucite both fresh and farinaceous have been found intermixed the depth of the bed of ashes above the houses is variable but seldom exceeds twelve or fourteen feet and it is said that the higher part of the amphitheatre always projected above the surface though if this were the case it seems inexplicable that the city should never have been discovered till the year seventeen fifty it will be observed in the above section that two of the brown half-consolidated tufts are filled with small pisolytic globules this circumstance is not alluded to in the animated controversy which the royal academy of naples maintained with one of their members signor lippi as to the origin of the strata incumbent on pompeii the mode of aggregation of these globules has been fully explained by mr scrope who saw them formed in great numbers in eighteen twenty two by rain falling during the eruption on fine volcanic sand and sometimes also produced like hail in the air by the mutual attraction of the minutest particles of fine damp sand their occurrence therefore 
agrees remarkably well with the account of heavy rain and showers of sand and ashes recorded in history lippi entitled his work fu il fuoco o l'acqua che sotterò pompei ed ercolano and he contended that neither were the two cities destroyed in the year seventy nine nor by a volcanic eruption but purely by the agency of water charged with transported matter his letters wherein he endeavoured to dispense as far as possible with igneous agency even at the foot of the volcano were dedicated with great propriety to werner and afford an amusing illustration of the polemic style in which geological writers of that day indulged themselves his arguments were partly of an historical nature derived from the silence of contemporary historians respecting the fate of the cities which as we have already stated is most remarkable and partly drawn from physical proofs he pointed out with great clearness the resemblance of the tufaceous matter in the vaults and cellars at herculaneum and pompeii to aqueous alluviums and its distinctness from ejections which had fallen through the air nothing he observes but moist pasty matter could have received the impression of a woman's breast which was found in a vault at pompeii or have given the cast of a statue discovered in the theatre at herculaneum it was objected to him that the heat of the tuff in herculaneum and pompeii was proved by the carbonization of the timber corn papyrus rolls and other vegetable substances there discovered but lippi replied with truth that the papyri would have been burnt up if they had come in contact with fire and that their being only carbonized was a clear demonstration of their having been enveloped like fossil wood in a sediment deposited from water the academicians in their report on his pamphlet assert that when the amphitheatre was first cleared out the matter was arranged on the steps in a succession of concave layers accommodating themselves to the interior form of the building just as snow would lie if it had fallen there this observation is highly interesting and points to the difference between the stratification of ashes in an open building and of mud derived from the same in the interior of edifices and cellars nor ought we to call the allegation in question because it could not be substantiated at the time of the controversy after the matter had been all removed although lippi took advantage of this removal and met the argument of his antagonists by requiring them to prove the fact there is decisive evidence that no stream of lava has ever reached pompeii since it was first built although the foundations of the town stand upon the old lucitic lava of somma several streams of which with tough interposed had been cut through in excavations infusorial beds covering pompeii a most singular and unexpected discovery has been recently made eighteen forty four to five by professor ehrenberg respecting the remote origin of many of the layers of ashes and pumice enveloping pompeii they are he says in great part of organic and fresh-water origin consisting of the siliceous cases of microscopic infusoria what is still more surprising 
this fact proves to be by no means an isolated or solitary example of an intimate relation between organic life and the results of volcanic activity on the rhine several beds of tough and pumiceous conglomerate resembling the mass incumbent upon pompeii and closely connected with extinct volcanoes are now ascertained to be made up to a great extent of the siliceous cases of infusoria or diatomacea invisible to the naked eye and often half fused no less than ninety-four distinct species have already been detected in one mass of this kind more than one hundred fifty feet thick at hoximer on the left bank of the rhine near the lacherci some of these rainish infusorial accumulations appear to have fallen in showers others to have been poured out of lake craters in the form of mud as in the brawl valley in mexico peru the isle of france and several other volcanic regions analogous phenomena have been observed and everywhere the species of infusoria belong to freshwater and terrestrial genera except in the case of the patagonian pumiceous tufts specimens of which brought home by mr darwin are found to contain the remains of marine animalcules in various kinds of pumice ejected by volcanoes the microscope has revealed to professor ehrenberg the siliceous cases of infusoria often half obliterated by the action of heat and the fine dust thrown out into the air during eruptions is sometimes referable to these most minute organic substances brought up from considerable depths and sometimes mingled with small particles of vegetable matter in what manner did the solid coverings of these most minute plants and animalcules which can only originate and increase at the surface of the earth sink down and penetrate into subterranean cavities so as to be ejected from the volcanic orifices we have of late years become familiar with the fact in the process of boring artesian wells that the seeds of plants the remains of insects and even small fish with other organic bodies are carried in an uninjured state by the underground circulation of waters to the depth of many hundred feet with still greater facility in a volcanic region we may conjecture that water and mud full of invisible infusoria may be sucked down from time to time into subterranean rents and hollows in cavernous lava which has been permeated by gases or in rocks dislocated by earthquakes it often happens that a lake which has endured for centuries in a volcanic crater disappears suddenly on the approach of a new eruption violent shocks agitate the surrounding region and ponds rivers and wells are dried up large cavities far below may thus become filled with fen mud chiefly composed of the more indestructible and siliceous portions of infusoria destined perhaps to be one day ejected in a fragmentary or half-fused state yet without the obliteration of all traces of organic structure herculaneum it was remarked that no lava has flowed over the site of pompeii since that city was built but with herculaneum the case is different although the substance which fills the interior of the houses and the vaults must have been introduced in a state of mud like that found in similar situations in pompeii yet 
the superincumbent mass differs wholly in composition and thickness herculaneum was situated several miles nearer to the volcano and has therefore been always more exposed to be covered not only by showers of ashes but by alluviums and streams of lava accordingly masses of both have accumulated on each other above the city to a depth of nowhere less than seventy and in many places of one hundred twelve feet the tuff which envelops the buildings consists of comminuted volcanic ashes mixed with pumice a mask embedded in this matrix has left a cast the sharpness of which was compared by hamilton to those in plaster of paris nor was the mask in the least degree scorched as if it had been embedded in heated matter this tuff is porous and when first excavated is soft and easily worked but acquires a considerable degree of induration on exposure to the air above this lowest stratum is placed according to hamilton the matter of six eruptions each separated from the other by veins of good soil in these soils Lippi states that he collected a considerable number of land shells an observation which is no doubt correct for many snails burrow in soft soils and some italian species descend when they hibernate to the depth of five feet and more from the surface de la torre also informs us that there is in one part of this superimposed mass a bed of true siliceous lava lava di pietra dura and as no such current is believed to have flowed till near one thousand years after the destruction of herculaneum we must conclude that the origin of a large part of the covering of herculaneum was long subsequent to the first inhumation of the place that city as well as pompeii was a seaport herculaneum is still very near the shore but a tract of land a mile in length intervenes between the borders of the bay of naples and pompeii in both cases the gain of land is due to the filling up of the bed of the sea with volcanic matter and not to elevation by earthquakes for there has been no change in the relative level of land and sea pompeii stood on a slight eminence composed of the lavas of the ancient vesuvius and flights of steps led down to the water's edge the lowermost of these steps are said to be still on an exact level with the sea condition and contents of the buried cities after these observations on the nature of the strata enveloping and surrounding the cities we may proceed to consider their internal condition and contents so far at least as they offer facts of geological interest notwithstanding the much greater depth at which herculaneum was buried it was discovered before pompeii by the accidental circumstance of a well being sunk in seventeen thirteen which came right down upon the theatre where the statues of hercules and cleopatra were soon found whether this city or pompeii both of them founded by greek colonies was the more considerable is not yet determined but both are mentioned by ancient authors as among the seven most flourishing cities in campania the walls of pompeii were three miles in circumference but we have as yet no certain knowledge of the dimensions of herculaneum in the latter place the theatre alone is open for inspection the forum 
temple of jupiter and other buildings having been filled up with rubbish as the workmen proceeded owing to the difficulty of removing it from so great a depth below ground even the theatre is only seen by torchlight and the most interesting information perhaps which the geologist obtains there is the continual formation of stalactite in the galleries cut through the tuff for there is a constant percolation of water charged with carbonate of lime mixed with a small portion of magnesia such mineral waters must in the course of time create great changes in many rocks especially in lavas the pores of which they may fill with calcareous spar so as to convert them into amygdaloids some geologists therefore are unreasonable when they expect that volcanic rocks of remote eras should accord precisely with those of modern date since it is obvious that many of those produced in our own time will not long retain the same aspect and internal composition both at herculaneum and pompeii temples have been found with inscriptions commemorating the rebuilding of the edifices after they had been thrown down by an earthquake this earthquake happened in the reign of nero sixteen years before the cities were overwhelmed in pompeii one-fourth of which is now laid open to the day both the public and private buildings bear testimony to the catastrophe the walls are rent and in many places traversed by fissures still open columns are lying on the ground only half hewn from huge blocks of travertine and the temple for which they were designed is seen half repaired in some few places pavement had sunk in but in general it was undisturbed consisting of large irregular flags of lava joined neatly together in which the carriage wheels have often worn ruts an inch and a half deep in the wider streets the ruts are numerous and irregular in the narrower there are only two one on each side which are very conspicuous it is impossible not to look with some interest even on these ruts which were worn by chariot wheels more than seventeen centuries ago and independently of their antiquity it is remarkable to see such deep incisions so continuous in a stone of great hardness end of chapter twenty four part two recording by linda johnson